0: Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing the Lagan Valley area filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like
1: to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, LagonValleyVineyard.com. Today's teaching text is from Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. Come Holy Spirit. Paul, an apostle sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me. To the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you. Let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man Nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Good
0: morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Lagan Valley Vineyard. If we have not met before, my name is Stu. I hope you're well. It kinda it does feel like autumn, right? It kind of we're moving towards that. Um, I though. I'm already dreaming of summer. And one of the things I wanna let you know about, um, you've heard us talk about this a little bit over the past couple of months. We're gonna be talking about it a lot over the next couple of months as well. And we are incredibly excited about a festival that is gonna be kicking off in May time, the 29th to the 31st of May. We are gonna be gathering together with churches all across Ireland to be able to gather around three things, feasting, family, and also fire. We are bold enough to believe that God is not done with this place yet, and we believe that we want to get together and see the next great awakening in Ireland, and we're going to do it together, and it is going to be so much fun. The tickets for New Year Festival are now live, so if you want to go on to the website uh, newafestival.com, please do pick up your tickets. We're going to talk about this a lot, but here's the thing that you may or may not know: and we in this community have joined with a couple of friends, um, some in Lurgan and Portadown and some in Newcastle to really kind of get this thing going. And we're taking the lead in this. We're going first and seeing this thing happen. And can I really encourage you as our community to join us as we go first Um, So as we think about this, book it into your calendar. But also, um, if you want to book your tickets, you're now free to do that now. And it does kind of help as you organize a festival whenever you actually have some money to be able to do it. So um, can I really encourage you to come with us, join with us, and to book in your tickets. If you do it now, you'll be able to save a tenner. So, you know, bargain hunters, get on it. And um, join us for a new festival. The one thing I also want to just mention is just to reiterate what Chris said earlier. We are so excited about baptisms tonight. And as we've been teaching the past, couple of weeks in our immerse series. This is a moment for us to both witness uh, people's lives being transformed by Jesus, but also for us to be able to welcome them into our community. We never miss a wedding. We never miss the chance to meet a newborn. So let's not miss baptism service tonight. So 6.30 tonight for tea and coffee, and we're going to celebrate at 7 o'clock, and it is going to be very, it proves to be a very exciting night, right? Is that what I am supposed to say? Cool. Let me dive right in. Pharaoh wouldn't let up. The beatings didn't let up. The command never let up. Make more bricks is what they heard every single day. The family of Israel are enslaved in Egypt and they've been dehumanized by the intense demands of productivity. They were slaves. They were bound up in this life of producing bricks to be traded or to be assembled into these beautiful buildings of power and so-called control and they were hurting. They were tired and they were trapped and yet God heard their cry. And he sends Moses to stand in front of Pharaoh and to declare his cry, let my people go. For God's desire is for his people to always live in freedom. Pharaoh wouldn't let up, but God wouldn't let up either. And so there was this moment of rescue, this moment of exodus. Whenever tools were thrown down, the seas parted and the people got to step into freedom. And with only wet feet from the sea floor, the family of Israel are led into this new place, the place that they had longed for, the place where they were no longer defined by what they produced or their compliance or their slavery. They were now free. And yet they weren't used to this new place, the place that they were led into, delivered into. They got so used to their old way of life, which was all about how many bricks they made, how they were able to stay out of trouble and do the right thing. And this place didn't need that old way of life anymore, but they really missed their old way of life. Despite stepping into the place that they longed for, despite this place of freedom, despite moving towards abundance that they couldn't even imagine, they began to ask, can we go back We go back to that place that hardly even tasted freedom before they started to miss their slavery. They got so used to it. It was so ingrained in who they were that they lost sight of what was right in front of them. Freedom, grace, and peace. Let my people go, God declared. Let's go back. The people grumbled. Today, we're kicking off a brand new series. We're gonna be exploring the book of Galatians and we're calling this series Galatians. And, and we're gonna be working way through this from now all the way through, you see what it did there. We're gonna be working through this all the way to Advent at the start of December. And at the heart of this letter, Paul is inviting us as the church to see that we are free Through Jesus, we have experienced our own kind of exodus, and Paul is writing to a number of young churches to show them what this life of freedom looks like. If you're new to our community, it's really helpful for you to know that we really love this book. We absolutely love it. We believe that God speaks to us through it, and as we eat it up, His Holy Spirit shapes us and leads us in the direction of his kingdom. And we believe that the teachings of Jesus and his word should be present in every single aspect of our lives. And we really want to help you in that. So here's the thing. If the only moment that you open up the Bible and read it is once a week here in this room on a Sunday morning, you are missing out. What we do on a Sunday morning here, what I'm doing right now is hopefully good, but it is not enough. What we're doing here on a Sunday is essentially a conversation starter, and we want to help you as the church to devote yourself to this book, to engage with it every day, to process it, to wrestle with it, to ask questions about it, to learn from it, and to be shaped by it on the road of life, the context of your everyday life. As you think about it by yourself, as you read it, and also as you talk about it with other people. And that is why tribes, that is why table talk, and particularly it's why 321 is so important. These are different ways for different parts of our community to be able to feast on this particular book in our everyday lives. And so, through 321, over the next eight weeks, we're going to be reading through two books together every single day. We're gonna be reading through the book of Galatians, which we're gonna be teaching through, but also the book of Exodus. Two books where you'll see these echoes bounce off each other. And with the help of three questions every day, two prayers, and one practice, we really do believe that the words of these two books will come alive in you and will shape your life. But today, all I really want to do is set the scene with what is going on in this book of Galatians. I just want to set up the series because as we understand what's really going on in Galatians, not only will this letter make more sense to us, but actually it allows us to listen to what God is saying to us today, here, and now. So if you've got a Bible with you or there's a Bible on your seat, please turn with me to Galatians chapter one. And can I just encourage you to keep your Bibles open Right the way through today's teaching, because we'll be bouncing in this passage quite a bit. Let me set up this series for us. In Acts 13, and Acts 14, we read of the Apostle Paul spreading the good news of Jesus around a region called Galatia, and particularly in four cities, Pisidian, and Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. And he planted these churches here with a bunch of new Christians. But he was like a bit of a he was like a travelling church planter, so he would have set up a church, we'll pull leaders in, he would have blessed it, and then he would have moved on to to be able to plant other churches because church planting is one of the best ways to be able to spread the good news of Jesus. And in 48 or 49 AD, Paul writes this particular letter, Galatians, to these four churches. So let's read it together. Galatians 1, verse one. Paul, an apostle. Let's stop there for a second. Paul's story, we've got three, letter, or three words in there, that was a good start, right? Paul's story may be really familiar to us. And we can read about it in verses 13 to 24. If you don't know Paul's story, please do go home and check it out. But here's the thing that you need to know about Paul. He was a really intense dude. Like he was a really violent man. Judaism was so ingrained in him. And whenever he heard about this new community of people who were leaving behind traditional Jewish practices and politics, and following this new Jewish leader who called himself the Messiah, Paul, or Saul as he was known back then, tried to shut everything down. This new community he thought was both wrong and dangerous. These deeply held Jewish traditions were being forgotten about. And these Jesus followers were sharing a very different story altogether, and they were inviting Gentiles flipping Gentiles to come into the Jewish community and to be a part of it. And Saul was having none of it. And so he began to persecute these Jesus followers. We can read about this in Acts. Saul was actually the coat handler for the men who would pick up stones and murder Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And yet... Saul is walking along a road to a town called Damascus one day and he encounters the one that he was trying to stop and destroy. He encounters Jesus and his life is completely transformed. His name changes and he began to share the good news of Jesus and this new way of life of the Jesus followers to anybody who would listen, especially the Gentiles. Look at verse 23. This is the summary of Paul's life. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith that he once tried to destroy. Listen to me, your life is not too messed up to be transformed by Jesus. He turned around Paul's life. Trust me, Jesus can turn around your life too. Paul sees himself as an apostle or like a spokesperson, a representative of Jesus, and he shares the message of Jesus, the message of Jesus, which at its heart, we find two things, verse 3, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace, grace and peace, and notice the source of this grace and peace, it comes from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Here's the big thing that we need to get our head around about this particular text in Galatians. The good news that Paul was sharing and planting in these communities, it was super radical at this time. Into a culture that was immersed in traditional Jewish thinking and practices, it was crazy to think that the Messiah had come, not to reestablish the political power of Israel, but instead to forgive sins to transform, to heal people, to die, to rise again, and to welcome all people, Jews, Gentiles, slave and free into a new community who believed that the Messiah was a man from Nazareth. And for some members of the traditional Jewish community, people who were like Saul back in the day, this was way too much for them. Because you gotta remember, up until the start of Jesus's ministry, the covenant people of God were confined to one particular ethnic group. The Jewish people, they set themselves apart by practicing the commands of the Torah, which you read about in the first five books of the Old Testament. And these practices were mostly in and around circumcision, eating kosher, and also practicing Sabbath. And this Jesus movement, it begins in Jerusalem, and it begins to spread like wildfire. And as it spreads beyond Israel, around the time of Paul's ministry, we find that there was as many non-Jews as there were Jews in this new movement called the church. And with all of this change, some of these traditional Jewish Christians began to demand that anybody outside of the Jewish community who became Christians, they had to begin to practice the commands of the Torah, namely circumcision and eating certain foods, which is really not good news for fellas or for foodies, right? Now, (laughs) yeah, I'm both of those things, right? Uh, Some of these traditional Jewish leaders had traveled to Galatia. They literally ran to these four cities and they began to preach to these new Christians. And they were simply saying this, it is not enough for you to hear the good news of Jesus, say yes to it and believe in it. To do the right thing, you have to add into your life all of these traditional practices into the mix so that you can become a proper Christian. The gospel of grace and peace that is planted into this community the one that Paul plants, the one that we long to embody and share with this region goes like this. You were once separated from God, you were slaves to sin, but we have been pursued by the abundant love of God. And as we believe in Jesus, as we say yes to him, as we surrender our lives to him, we get to be immersed into the fullness of his life. And we receive his promised Holy Spirit. We become transformed and we're invited to practice his way and to enjoy his presence. We are transformed by his grace, unmerited grace, grace that you cannot earn, grace that we get to say yes to. And yet, these teachers are kind of twisting that, they're adding to it. And we read about it in verses six and seven. Read with me. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people, these teachers, are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. These false teachers are saying basically, okay, leave your old life behind. Yes, become Christians. But you see, all of that stuff about being immersed fully in the goodness of God, being saved by unmerited grace, it's not quite up to scratch. It's not quite enough. You actually need to add to your life. You need to do this thing, that thing, and the other thing so that you can become a proper Christian. And these teachers were confusing these communities, convincing them that they needed to add to the finished work of Jesus. They were basically saying the gospel of Jesus is insufficient. It is not enough. So the Galatians had reached the promised land. They had tasted freedom. And they were saying, let's go back. Here's the thing. The gospel of Jesus, the gospel of grace and peace that we read about here, it finds its source, its origin, and its end in Jesus. Verse 11 and verse 12 says this, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. This gospel of grace cannot be earned by our effort. We can't achieve it. We can only receive it. And this gospel, it doesn't find its origin in us or our efforts or our energies. We find its source, its origin in the complete work of Jesus. Jesus, hanging on the cross, declares over the cosmos, but particularly over your life, it is finished. And these teachers are pulling this community away from this truth. They're saying that Jesus' work isn't done. It's not complete. But if you do this thing, that thing, and the other thing, it will be. And Paul is flipping, raging. Not only are these false teachers undermining Jesus, strike one, but they're also creating a community based on tribal politics that separates people from the church, strike two, and they're also leading the Galatians back into slavery. They were once free, but they're now engaging in practices that are binding them back up, strike three. Did I say strike two there? Yeah, that's strike three, right? And with that, Paul is raging, He calls down curses on these people. He calls down curses on anybody who would preach a different gospel, even if it was himself. And so with that, with this anger, frustration, this heartbreak, Paul writes this letter, this letter to the Galatians. He's seeking to defend the good news that he preached and simply say this, it is Christ alone. Grace is sufficient. It is all Christ plus nothing. And over the next couple of weeks, we're wanting to see that Paul is inviting both the Galatians, but also us, back into a life of freedom. And he practically is going to show us how we do that, which is essentially this, follow the Holy Spirit, engage in Him, walk and step with Him. Look at verse three and verse four with me again. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. This grace and peace finds its origin in Jesus, what he did for us. He is the one who rescued us, delivered us. Listen to the Exodus language here. He has led us on an Exodus journey. It is all about what he has done, not about what we have done. Brennan Manning, who gets grace probably better than anybody else, puts it like this, it's gonna appear on the screen. The gospel is absurd and the life of Jesus is meaningless unless we believe that he lived, died and rose again with one, but with one purpose in mind. To make new creations. More about that in a couple of weeks' time. Not to make people with better morals, not about what you do, but to create a community of prophets and professional lovers, men and women who would surrender to the mystery of the fire of the spirit that burns within, and who would live in ever greater fidelity to the omnipresent word of God, who would enter right into the center of it all, the very heart and the mystery of Christ, into the center of the flame that consumes, purifies, and sets every everything aglow with peace and joy and boldness and extravagant, furious love. This, my friends, is what it means to be a Christian. It never begins with what we do for God. It always starts with what God has done for us, the great and wondrous things that God dreamed of and achieved for us in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen, please? The Galatians had been sold a gospel that wasn't even the gospel at all. It had become all about them, what they had done and they were engaging in these practices that were binding them up. They had reached this new place of freedom, but they were living like slaves. And Paul, who's heartbroken, writes this letter. And as you read it over the course of the next couple of weeks, in quiet in your home as we teach it here, please, as you read through these words and listen to them, listen out for the voice of God who from the beginning right the way to the end says the same thing let my people go so that's what's going on in Galatians but what about here and what about now we can look at a letter like Galatians or any book in the old testament and think you know what we're not really engaging in ancient practices lifted lifted from the Torah this isn't really relevant for us right good news for fellas and foodies but it's important to say right off the bat, right at the start of this series, that I see this pattern of adding to the gospel of grace and peace by our efforts and by our energies all of the time. And I am, hear me in this, I'm not making a judgment call on that. I see this happening right in my heart and in my life and in my motivations, my ambitions and what I do. I am more legalistic than I would care to admit. And we need to realize it's subtle it's really subtle but we need to come to see that we're constantly in danger of becoming enslaved once again let me be really clear about the pattern that we're talking about here Gareth you want to flick on the slide we were once in slavery we were separated from the father through sin and shame and death and yet we are led on this exodus journey Jesus revealed himself in love to us And in both the receiving and the believing of this gospel of grace and peace, we become his. We become his beloved. Through grace, we get to experience, not just think about, but get to experience freedom, a new identity, assurance in who we are, a deep sense of satisfaction, hope for the future, and joy for this present moment. And in one sense, that's it. That's the simple gospel, that should be it. There is nowhere else that we need to go. This is where we should be hanging out, not just for our lives, but for the entirety of eternity. Paul writes this to another church in Ephesus It's gonna appear on the screen. Ephesians three seventeen. listen to about this, about the space that we get to inhabit. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high is the deep love of Christ for us and to know his love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. We are to spend the entirety of eternity in here, but subtly, we can fall into the same trap as the Gentiles and we can go beyond the gospel. Do you wanna hit the next slide, Gareth? We begin to engage in habits and practices and ways of thinking where we feel as if we need to add to the gospel through our work, our actions, our efforts, and our energies. Instead of resting in this place of grace and peace, experiencing the fullness of it, we turn to a different gospel which isn't even a gospel at all, a gospel where we place ourselves as our lords, where we become leaders, We feel the need to become the deliverers, the rescuers, the one who leads people, ourselves, on Exodus. We think it's down to us to work towards our own freedom, identity, assurance, satisfaction, hope, and joy. If only, if only we would just rest in this place of grace and peace, receive it. We wouldn't feel this urge to go and try and achieve what we already have access to hear me, grace and peace is enough. It is to be the ecosystem that we are to inhabit for the entirety of eternity. And Paul describes this move, this step from here to here in verse six. He says this, you're so quickly deserting the one who called you. And this word for deserting is really interesting in the original language. It means like a soldier to transfer your allegiance Like a soldier in revolt, you leave your side and you choose to swear allegiance to the other side. Whenever we make this step, this step from here to here, we are subtly switching allegiances. No longer are we looking to Christ and his grace to experience freedom and identity, assurance, satisfaction, hope, and peace. Instead, we've transferred our allegiance. It was with Christ, but now it's with us. We set ourselves up to be Lord, the one who is to deliver ourselves, and it leaves us bound up. It leaves us like slaves, uncertain of who we are, restless, full of fear, and always on the back foot with this poverty spirit. We feel as if we're lacking all the time whenever we've actually got access to everything that we've ever dreamed of. So let me grind this for us this morning. And let me unpack some of the ways in which we feel as if we can, we just feel this urge to go beyond grace, to live beyond peace, and try to add to it by what we do, rather than resting in what Jesus has done. And the four ways that I really quickly want to talk about, four ways of living that lead us beyond living in grace and peace. I want to talk about good living, I want to talk about provision, I want to talk about approval, and I also want to talk about performance. You wanna hit the next slide, Garth? First of all, good living. We all know what we talk about whenever we're talking about good living, right? This is about sticking to the rules. It's about being a good Christian, it's about doing the right things, saying the right things, believing the right things. And most of the practices of good living are really good. Engaging with the Bible, showing up to church. Serving, right? All of those are really good things. But it's important to say this. You could live life according to all of these rules and yet never once experience the goodness of God for yourself. You could live a life of never breaking the rules and yet you could find yourself never experiencing the freedom that the Holy Spirit offers you. And some of you may be caught up in a way of life where your faith is based upon fear, where you don't want to step out of line, You simply want to stay on the tightrope. You want to do the right thing. And yet rather than resting in the experience of God's love for you and then from that place going on to practice his way, some of you are just motivated by fear, not compelled by grace. So the question, how can we change? How can we live beyond this? How can we return back to the ways of grace and peace? Simply, it comes down to letting go and experiencing his love. I'd really encourage you, if you weren't around last Sunday, please do bounce back to our podcast and listen to Andy's talk, the difference between believing something and actually getting to experience it. But I want to just say this to you. If this is you this morning, I want to leave you with the words of Henry Nyan. And I'm not just, I know I use quotes all the time, I get that. But I'm not using this quote to kind of one... um, Kind of take up some time to block out more of my talk or anything, nor am I trying to fill your heads with information. As I say these words in particular, I am, have been praying all week actually that the Holy Spirit would unlock something for you as I read these particular words coming from a man who knows exactly what it means to live into grace. For most of my life, it's going to appear up on the screen. For most of my life, I've struggled to find God, to know God to love God. I've tried hard to follow the guidelines of the spiritual life, pray always, work for others, read the scriptures, and avoid the many temptations to dissipate myself, lose myself. I've failed many times, but I've always tried again, even whenever I was close to despair. Here, the heart of like, I just need to keep doing the right thing, right? But now I wonder whether I've sufficiently realized that during all of this time, God has been trying to find me, to know me, and to love me. The question is not how am I to find God, but how am I to let myself be found by him? The question is not how am I to know God, but how am I to let myself be known by God? And finally, the question, the most important one, is not how am I to love God, but how am I to let myself be loved by God? God is looking into the distance for me trying to find me and longing to bring me home. Whenever our heads drop and we're constantly trying to do the right thing, we miss the gaze of the Father who is looking for us instead of us looking at the works of our hands. Secondly, provision This is the way of Pharaoh that the Israelites would have got so used to with his cry of make more bricks. What I'm talking about here is the accumulation of more stuff. We just need more stuff in our lives. We need more zeros in our bank balance because we think that the more we have, the more secure, the more satisfied we'll be. And by the way, it's a bit of a lie. It's a bit of a lie to think that accumulating more stuff will leave you with lasting security and peace. Why? Why? because the goalposts just keep moving all of the time. And so you end up in this never ending cycle of needing more money, needing more stuff, needing more experiences, I need more in my life. If that is you this morning, listen to the words of Jesus of Nazareth. One of his best teachings and one of his most important teachings for our age. Jesus says this, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? These people are coming to him thinking, I need to provide for myself. I need more stuff in my life to be able to survive. Jesus says the pagans run after all of these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. There's an acknowledgement of the father that those things that you want are good. But what Jesus is saying here is don't be motivated by them. Be motivated by something better. Jesus says this, seek first the kingdom and righteousness and all of those other things that you've been looking for, they'll be given to you as well. God provides for us. Trust me, the one who is upholding the universe by the word of his power knows more about what you need than what you think you need. And he's able to give it to you more than you're able to achieve it for yourself. The motivation to get more, To be able to try and fill our lives with more stuff or more security is not gonna work. It's not gonna cut it for us. But whenever we set our hope, our allegiance on Christ and his kingdom, whenever that becomes our focus, guess what? All of our needs get provided for. Thirdly, approval. I'm rattling through these, but thirdly, approval. There's a biblical command for us to cultivate what is known as the fear of God. Unfortunately, many of us, though, leave this aside and spend our time manufacturing the fear of human beings. A few years ago, Andy Andy asked me a pretty direct question. You never ask direct questions, right? Um, We just sat down, and it wasn't like, hey, how's the football or whatever? It was like, what's your deepest fear, Steve? Class, Monday, Monday lunchtime. And I, unlike some members of my of our staff team, I'm an internal processor, and I um, like to create some space to be able to like think about, right, what am I gonna say to this? But actually, this response just blurted out of me, which is really unlike me. And I said, letting people down. And I began to see in that moment that my sense of, wor- it's like an eye-opening experience for me, I began to see that my sense of worth my sense of identity, my sense of staying on an even keel is motivated by how people see me, what they think of me, or even what I think they're thinking about me, even though they're probably not even thinking about me. You know what I mean? There's a really fine line between being approved by others, which is a really good thing, by the way. But there's a fine line between being approved by others and having approval of others as our driver as our main motivation, our ambition in life. And there is a danger because two things can happen here. One, we end up manufacturing ourselves, whether whether that's in like the screen world or like the actual world, you know. And then we can also end up manipulating other people so that we can reach a place whenever we can be at ease, a place when everybody likes us and we're on that even keel. But what if we step back and embraced grace and peace? What if we find comfort and joy and hope, satisfaction in Jesus's inexhaustible approval of us? I've learned that I'm gonna let people down. I'm really sorry. But I've also learned that if I start from a place of Jesus's approval, I'm able to move towards people, not to try to get something from them, fearful of what they might think of me. I can move towards them being fully present with them, listening to them, loving them, serving them, blessing them, and more importantly, I can be myself in it all. Finally, performance. This is the big one. For many of us, our sense of worth, our identity, our satisfaction about life is found in our performance, our work, our studies, our general life, how good we're doing in life. We wanna do a good job, which is a really good thing, But so often, particularly in this part of the world, we're motivated by accomplishment. We think that the more we do, the more satisfied we'll be. There's still always one last thing to do, one task still left on our list. And so this sense of performance never really ends. And so we knacker ourselves, we never stop. We clock more hours than we should. We don't ever rest. We never hear Jesus' cry of it is finished because it's drowned out by the voice in our head saying there's still one last thing to do. If I'm hitting a nerve this morning with this, let me just hit that nerve a little bit harder by asking uh, you a question, pretty direct question. Don't answer me. But when was the last time that you took a day off? And I mean like a, proper day off, when was the last time that you truly practiced Sabbath? Because your practice of Sabbath is one of the clearest signs that you have embraced the gospel of grace and peace. Because on a Sabbath, you accomplish nothing, and you hear that Jesus still really, really loves you. And that is really good news. The gospel of grace and peace is never based on our performance or our work. So, even if we as followers of Jesus begin to see that we can rest in this gospel of peace and grace as we allow it to shape us and to lead us into practicing the good way of Jesus. If we're able to stop being so restless all the time, accumulating more stuff, being approved by others, setting up performance as the idol of our age, if we begin to see that we're able to live in a very different way, that is a good thing. But the danger, the subtle danger for us is that we go in the opposite direction and we end up just like the Galatians. We have access to everything that we long for. And instead of just surrendering and embracing it, we trick ourselves into thinking that we need to achieve them. And what we end up with is a fake plastic gospel. Grace and peace is ours to receive but we end up chasing after a really cheap counterfeit. It's like going into non-uniform day with your fake FUBU jeans. Do you remember that? Is that just me? I'm outed. And with that, we end up like slaves because the chase, it just never, ever ends. For many of us, We have marched through the seabed of Exodus. We have reached the promised land. Grace and peace is there for us to receive. But there's a voice that kicks in saying, let's go back. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see Paul simply saying, no, no, don't do that. Don't go back there. Go and explore this new place, go and see the vastness of it, the intricacies of it, go and experience this land that is full of grace and peace and be led by the Holy Spirit, the guide, the comforter, the one who reveals the grace of Jesus. Walk in step with him and experience the life that he is leading you into because as you do that, you'll experience something new you'll get to experience freedom. James, do you want to come on up? Let me finish with this. As we read Paul's letter, we'll see that he's not pulling any punches here, and I haven't pulled many punches either this morning, but I want you to hear not frustration. I want you to hear Paul's heart. He's heartbroken. He's heartbroken. This church that he has planted with grace and peace it had become all about them. They had become their own leaders and saviors. The Father's grace and peace had been rejected. Jesus had been relegated. And the Holy Spirit became unnecessary and people ended up being slaves. And Paul's heart breaks. There's a weight to this letter. And to be honest, it's a weight that I felt all week. Gareth, can we put on the last slide with the four uh, things that I've just taught into? The... Um, yeah four ways of living good living, provision, approval and performance, it might be a fake gospel but here's the truth, that's the northern Irish gospel right there this is our bread and butter in our context this is the way of life that so many of us find ourselves falling into and it makes us slaves we need to hear God's cry let my people go For God's desire has always been for his people to live into freedom. Spoiler alert. Galatians 5 verse 1, it says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm, therefore, and do not, never let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. God's desire for us as his children is to be free. In him you are free, so don't bind yourself up anymore. Christ has set you free. So live, church, into that freedom. Let's stand together as we come into land. The scene's being set. The series has been set up. But I don't want to leave it quite there. Because even on the first morning of this series, I believe that Jesus is wanting to set free some of us this morning. And for some of us, we have become slaves, whether maybe subtly or maybe really explicitly, we've become slaves of good living, provision, approval, and performance. And this morning, there is an invitation for us to leave that down and to experience grace and peace. And so you may be thinking to yourself, what do I need to do? Here's the thing you don't need to do anything this morning because there's an invitation for us to return back to our first love, to be amazed once again at the love of Jesus for us, to hear the good news and to be undone by it. For too long we have been doing all of the work, but this morning there's a little bit of an intervention that needs to take place and we're gonna let the Holy Spirit do the work this morning. You've been doing too much work for way too long. So this morning in this place, Let's open ourselves up and let the tools down and follow him, our guide, our leader on another exodus journey towards freedom. Let me pray for your worship. Lord, we want to wait for you Holy Spirit, we simply invite you to come. Thank you that you're here, but make us more aware of you. We want to welcome you, so come. Holy Spirit, I pray. If you have found yourself becoming enslaved by these things that we've talked about, good living, provision, Approval or performance? Can I invite you just in this one moment? It's kind of like an act of I'm laying this stuff down to engage your body in the posture of receiving. It's we do this all the time. It's very simple, but it's simply just putting our hands in front of us and saying, "I'm I'm done," and God, I really need you. we recognize that we have done too much for too long we recognize that we have found ourselves enslaved and so into this moment Holy Spirit with a deep sense of longing and desire we simply say would you give us grace and peace once again would you let us taste it May we experience the grace and peace of Jesus as we lay down the efforts and energies of ourselves. Holy Spirit, come even in this moment and flood our entire lives with grace and peace. We lay it all down. and reveal Jesus to us once again. Lead us away from our slavery and lead us into your goodness we pray. Um, I've just started a conversation it's the kind of conversation that you might want to pick up even right now with the Father. So as we worship in these next few moments. Continue that conversation with him. Don't leave this place even as we sing. Open yourself up to grace. Open yourself up to peace. Return back to your first love this morning.